raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome back to The Fan, 93.5, 1075. I'm Vince Welch, filling in for JMV today. John is out on a personal day. Back tomorrow. Thanks for spending a little bit of time hanging out, talking sports. Man, what a great sports day it is with all the conference tournaments going on around the country. Ball State, uh, if you're a Ball State fan, Cardinals got run in the first game against Ohio by about, I think, 20 points over in Cleveland. That's a disappointment for Michael Lewis and company. Uh, Rutgers beat Michigan, so it'll be Rutgers and Purdue tomorrow. I know a guy that'll be keeping his eye on that one is with us now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, and that's Mark Monteith. At one point, Mark, weren't you going with the Boilermakers and going to write a book about Purdue that ultimately ended up not coming to fruition? Yeah, about uh, 10 years ago. Well, the original idea was uh, that team that was going to consist of Rob Hummel and Etwan Moore and Juwan Johnson as seniors. Yeah, that was a team really with a great opportunity to do something. And uh, I agreed with Matt Painter that I would follow that team, have inside access, and kind of re- recreate my book from 1988, Passion Play, when I was with that team of Troy Lewis and Todd Mitchell and Everett Stevens. And it didn't really work out because, you know, Rob got hurt the first day of preseason practice blew out his knee again and uh so that team did okay but nothing great lost second round of the tournament i stayed with him another year and uh, again that team lost second round of the tournament uh, nothing really came out of it that justified a book at least a book that would have sold <laughs> and uh, you know writing a book's a lot of effort and to do one that doesn't really sell uh, isn't such a great idea, but it was a great experience. I have no regrets. Certainly got the, you know, to get an inside look at a college basketball team like that, Vince, is just a great experience to see what goes into practice, what goes into meetings, what goes into the locker room before, during, after games. Uh, it's enjoyable. I love it. Yeah. And I had done it in the 87-88 season. I did it two seasons with Matt Painter, and it was just a great experience. And I certainly have used some of what I learned and gathered in those seasons uh, in other places and times. And I haven't put it out of my head to not go back and, uh, or to go back and do something with those seasons. Uh, And it's like, here's this team and here's what became of these guys. And, you know, life went on, that kind of thing. It's not out of the question, but it just really didn't make sense to do at that time. And that was a hard thing for me to admit. Uh, One of the things, and I just, talked about it uh, in the uh, last half hour for Purdue and Indiana in the Big Ten tournament and and even beyond in the NCAA tournament. I think we know what we're going to get from Zach Eady and we're not know what we're going to get from Trace Jackson Davis because those two guys have delivered time after time after time during the course of this season. But the livelihood or the success of Purdue and Indiana in whether the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, I believe rests on the other players. So who's the most important for Indiana in uh, in that stretch of, of games? If that is indeed the case, if it's going to be somebody or others beyond Trace Jackson Davis for Indiana, who do you most likely see that being? 
Oh, got to be Huchifino, right? I mean, he is projected as a lottery pick or at least a first-round pick. He's going to have to play like one. I mean, my formula for picking a tournament champion is which team has the most future NBA players, particularly first-round draft picks. And if you have two, you got a good shot at winning in the tournament. Tournament comes down, I think, to talent more than coaching. Coaching means a lot over the course of the regular season, certainly means something in the tournament, but it really comes down to just raw talent. You don't have that much time to prepare. Uh, You don't have to get into getting up for the game. You know, players are going to get up for the game. So I think Coach Zafino has to play like the first-round pick he's projected to be. He's going to have to play pretty much like he did in that game at Purdue, right, yeah. uh, for them to have a chance. And then other guys, they're perimeter shooters. you got to get three-point shots in. And uh, certainly uh, I think cop will be important to them. Any of their three-point shooters I think will have to be on for them to really advance in the tournament. Uh, because you could you know, shut down Jackson Davis pretty well if you want to double-team him or pay a lot of attention to him, but you're going to have to get some outside scoring for sure. And so beyond Hood Shafino, they're going to have to get some of the three-point shooters going. Switch it over to Purdue. Other than Zach Eady, um, who's the guy that must deliver for the Boilermakers to make a run? Yeah, I would go with Braden Smith, I think. He's so important as the point guard, and he plays so well. He's really impressive to me, you know, as a freshman point guard. He's had a huge burden on him all season and has really held up well. Uh, he's a good shooter, better shooter by percentage than Fletcher Lawyer. And so he's a three-point threat. He gets the ball where it needs to be. He gets the ball up court quickly. Uh, it's asking you a lot of freshman guards, you know, to take a team deep into the tournament. Uh, the, the only time it's really been done in state history and maybe uh, NCAA history is IU in 73 when Buckner and Jim Groots, you know, when that team went to the final four and those guys were both freshmen. So it's been done, but it's unusual. And uh, that's really a key for Purdue is how their freshman guards hold up. Now, fortunately for them, other guys have started to step up. You know, you could throw Brandon Newman in there. If uh lawyer isn't going well, you have other guys you can throw in there. Jenkins has been good. Uh, not real consistently, but often enough to have faith in him. Uh, so they have other options there, but I really think Braden Smith will have to play well, just get the ball where it needs to go uh, and get the ball into transition and hit some shots. We've got three minutes left, Mark. Um, how important is it to fare well over the course of these three games, these next three days for Indiana or Purdue in relation to the success that they might or might not have in the NCAA tournament? Important or overblown? Overblown. I'm not a big fan of these tournaments. You know, they're money grabs, obviously. And uh, for Purdue especially, you know, you've won the Big Ten. Uh, You're ranked, you know, nationally. They're not going to be a one seed unless maybe they win the Big Ten tournament and somebody else messes up. But I think it's more important for Indiana than Purdue. Indiana, if it would win it, would certainly improve its seed. But both teams are going to be in the NCAA tournament, and everything starts over then. Uh, by the point, by the time you tip off in the NCAA tournament, what you did at the Big Ten tournament won't mean anything. Uh, and so I just don't think what happens this weekend is that crucial for either team. I hope Purdue fans aren't too disappointed if they don't win the Big Ten tournament or even if they lose the first game. You know, to me, Vince, the best thing that you can do in a tournament like this is win it, 
second best thing you can do is lose the first game and get home and rest and practice hmm. and avoid injury in a game. You know, I just I just don't think uh, it has that much bearing and there's risk there. Even with, with the way even with the way Purdue has kind of stumbled down the stretch, a first game loss to Rutgers tomorrow, you don't think would be that big a deal? It would be well. It'd be up to them. Uh, certainly, the yeah. fans would be concerned, and there would be a lot of hand wringing over that, no question. But it would be up to the team to be able to bounce back and be ready to go in the tournament. They would be playing certainly a lesser team in the first round. Uh, if you have a good game there, convincing win, I think everything is behind you. So I think a lot of it would it would be a negative certainly. But I think you could overcome it if uh, you just choose to, basically, uh, and play some mind games with it. Uh, Take Indiana and Purdue out of the mix. we got a minute left, Mark. Uh, Indiana and Purdue out of the mix. Who wins the Big Ten tournament? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, I could see Michigan State making a run. You know, you always give uh, some credit for Tom Izzo. His teams are are, are that strong. uh, you know, but it, it's it's a wild card. It's, it's going to be a good tournament just because you have so many teams that are evenly matched. And I, uh, you know, I, it's really like flipping a coin. I think you'll have close games. Uh, I think Purdue and Indiana are the two best teams. You know, you, you got to show Northwestern respect mm-hmm. for being in, in that Final Four, the seedings. But if I had to pick a team beyond those two, uh, I guess I would go with Michigan State, but it could be about half a dozen teams. Yeah, Michigan State's won it more than any other school, six-time champs right. of the Big Ten tournament. Last year, Iowa won it as a five-seed. Of course, Purdue hates to hear that. They beat the Boilers 75-66 <laughs> in that game. Iowa a five-seed again this season. So, I mean, you never know. That's why you play the games. It's the Big Ten tournament, and we're all going to be uh, anxiously awaiting the outcome and certainly the performances and we'll break them down and dissect them to the nth degree when Purdue plays Rutgers tomorrow afternoon and IU plays tomorrow night. Mark, appreciate you uh, jumping on with us and spending some time. Got to run. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Thanks, Vince. That's uh, Mark Monteith on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Vince Welch in with you today, sitting in for JMV. John should be back tomorrow. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier, and I uh, brought up the fact that, you know, we were kind of talking about the heyday of local news on TV and uh, the local sports casts and so forth. And uh, talked about uh, the old battles between ratings battles between Channel 6, 8, 13, uh, Ed Sorensen, Mark Patrick, Don Hine, just kind of legendary sports casters of our time here in Indianapolis. And I had the opportunity to work with Mark Patrick, and I wanted to kind of catch up with Mark in a little bit of Throwback Thursday. And uh, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline is Mark Patrick. Hello, sir. 
Hey, how'd that go for you? How did you did you turn out in sports? Did that go okay? <laughs> it, I, I, I you know, I'm still working huh? on it. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Hey, somebody said on our uh, on our YouTube chat here, which is uh, very technical, Mark, uh, not like the good old days of sitting around, but they, they brought up Dirk Lenek, and I had mentioned that, oh. you know, you had a couple of different characters that really took on life of their own, but I don't know that any were more popular or entertaining than Dirk Lenek. How did you, how would you explain, for somebody that's not familiar with Dirk, how would you explain Dirk Lenek? Um, wow. He was, I would say, a bigger-than-life sportscaster that could say all the things I couldn't say. <laughs> and get away <laughs> with it. Yeah. And, and it was it was like a special effect, right? That you made your, I mean, it was obviously you on the set, but you made the neck bigger via special effect and hence the name Dirk Lenek. But how did that even come about to where you thought, man, this could be a character? Well, as you know, there's time to kill in commercials. So when Mike, Debbie, and I would sit there on this on the set, um, the the technical directors would like, especially when they got a new switcher, would love to play with the new effects. And so. Um, you know, they started doing stuff like I can remember one time they uh, took somebody's bald head and super superimposed it on mine. <laughs> and we looked at the monitor and there's me totally bald. And I went, oh, my God, that's my dad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so they did, you know, they did stuff. They were doing stuff with Mike and Debbie and they were always messing. You know, they could make uh, any part of your face stretched, essentially. And so one time they they took me from about the nose down and just stretched it out. And uh, I said, oh, man, I, you know, okay, there's the one. Save it. Save that. And and I got to do something with that because it, it looks so great. I said, that looks like the sports god, you know, that guy. <laughs> so... Um, so they saved it, and then we we worked on it. And it seems like there was a a character, maybe on Dallas in the eighties, that was named Dirk. And it seemed like maybe he was the guy after Bobby Ewing died that Pam Ewing was doing. Mm. So you know, and he had this giant chin. So I thought, well, yeah, the guy it looks like a Dirk. And then he's got a big neck, so I just said Lenek, and that's where that whole thing came from. And uh, incredibly entertaining back in that in that time. This was the early '90s, right? I mean, it's um, I, I call it the heyday of local local news and local sports. But it's hard for people to imagine today when you watch the news today locally. There's rarely any sports at all occasionally there might be some re- sports report but the days of the sportscaster back in in the day when you were at channel eight and ed Sorensen was at six don hine at 13 i mean you get four or five minutes in every newscast it's oh, hard to even well, imagine that today we got we i don't know if you remember but uh, once we really got things going 
in the early 90s and then until I left Channel 8, uh, at 5.50, I had two segments. And it, the first one was four minutes and the second one was three. Back to back. I mean, we had a commercial break in the middle of it. So we were doing, you know, uh, the last 10 minutes of that five to six o'clock block we were responsible for. So there was a lot. I mean, it was just amazing. And we, we did everything. We did national. We did local. We were doing feature stories, you know. Yeah. Um, and and we, you know, we were given scores. Can you imagine guys give a score now? It's yeah. like, nah, the no phone, The phone has, the phone and the internet has, has right. changed it all. Yeah. Visiting yeah, you with. You did it instantaneously. We would, as you know, you know, how many nights, uh, I mean, uh, we would sit and wait for the phone to ring uh, to get high school basketball scores. And that's, that's how we found out what this, what a score was and how we would put it in there. It was, it was unbelievable. We were, the, we were the internet for people. I mean, how yeah. many times would our phone ring and they go, Hey Mark, we're sitting over here at Joe's pub. And, <laughs> and uh, who was the 1964 American league MVP? We were, we were talking about that. <laughs> Visiting with Mark Patrick on the uh, Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline and um, the, the old you know sports locker days of uh, Robin Miller and and Reggie Miller it made me think of that uh, yesterday when Reggie was here in town uh, for David Benner's um, celebration of life um, event and uh, just reminded me of the the times that uh, Reggie would come over on sports locker on a Sunday evening and you know it'd be you and. Reggie and Robin and myself, Dick Ray, just kind of sitting around shooting the bull. And uh, man, some of the great conversations. That was a unique time, to be sure, in uh, the sports world here in Indianapolis. I, you know, I really think that the 90s were kind of the golden era of Indianapolis and sports because the Colts were, you know, finally coming into their own, like uh, with with Ted Marchabrode is hiring and then. Jim Harbaugh came along and, um, you know, Robin, I remember being in, in uh, three river stadium and with a little over a couple minutes to go, they take everybody out who's going to the locker room out of the press box, take you down at the field level. And then you go into the locker room from the field level. <clears throat> and, uh, I remember b- being on the elevator with Robin Miller, just over two minutes to go in Pittsburgh. And he's, he looks at me and said, Marky, we're going to the Super Bowl, and I was like, "Oh, you know, never in my wildest dreams would that have occurred to me." And of course, it didn't end up happening that year, and didn't until 2007. But <laughs> they were that close, and uh, you know, that's when they really became a, a football team. And then, of course, the Pacers were, gosh, I mean, just those those incredible playoff teams they had then that were. You know, without without Jordan, we might have been talking about more NBA finals. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean that was and, and and that was gosh, that was such a likable team, and the NBA was a a really good product at that point. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, you 
you know, for you, and um, I think about the times that uh, working at Channel Eight, you did the week or the nightly uh, hits with with Reggie at at the arena, etc. But man, you were jumping from you were on Bob and Tom, you were hosting the Lottery Show, you were doing Channel Eight. Uh, the characters that you did on Bob and Tom and the characters you did on television, what was the one that you think was your best work? Uh, um, I don't know. By the way, congratulations to everybody, at my friends at Bob and Tom show for 40 years. You know, I think yesterday was the 40 year celebration, <laughs> which pretty phenomenal. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they changed. They didn't just change Indianapolis radio. I mean, they really changed an industry, and I, I, I just think that's as phenomenal an accomplishment as we've ever seen. Especially if you just are looking at at them. Basically, you know, they were really good when they got here, but they became the Bob and Tom show. I thought um, in Indianapolis. So I think that's the coolest thing ever. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I still, I still will get a lot of feedback from people on, on stuff. And, um, you know, Dirk does get a lot. Uh, and then, you know, people that listen to Bob and Tom, I still get a lot of Marge and Harry and, uh, Keith, Keith Jackson and, and, uh, yeah, gosh, there were so many different, different things, but. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it was, it was a fun time. And, and maybe the greatest, uh, accomplishment of all, uh, you actually gave John the nickname JMV, right? I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's gotta be, uh, I mean, you know, when you get, when you get inducted into the hall of fame, I mean, that's gotta be one of the first lines that'll be. Uh, yeah, that's... How, uh, how did that happen? JMV stood for what? How did amen, that come... Amen, amen. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I mean, John's got a real last name, yeah. but um, I think Michael's his real middle name. So he was just going by John Michael. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, well... Um, it felt like it wasn't getting finished to me, you know. So, I mean, you know, I've always called you V. I've always got I've, if if I like you, you've got a nickname, you know. And uh, so, I mean, he was uh, he was he when I came back uh, after TV and started doing the afternoon show again, he was producing. So uh, I just, you know, I was like. Uh, I, so the first time I called him John Michael Vincent, he just kind of looked at me really, really weird. And, you know, normally you'll get like a smile or something, but he kind of gave me a weird look. And I said, well, you know, he's, uh, he's John Michael Vincent because he's the illegitimate son of Jan Michael Vincent, <laughs> the great TV star. And then he really gave me a, a look. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so then during the break, he goes, uh, hey, man, uh, how did you know my dad's not around? And I go, I didn't know that. Oh. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> oh. <That's> terrible. <laughs> I know. It was bad. He goes, and I was like, oh, man. And he goes, no, no, that's, that's, that's fine. That's cool. That's cool. And, you know, that's so 
John Michael Vincent became JMV, and mm. that's you know pretty good handle. It's uh, it's stuck and it's working. That's for sure. Yeah. Pretty cool um, and uh, great to have an opportunity to sit uh, in this seat uh, that JMV usually occupies and uh, have a chat with Mark Patrick, a longtime friend. And, you know, that, uh, that kind of that glory days, the the heyday, if you will, of local TV and, in Indianapolis and, and local sports. And I, I mentioned earlier yourself and, and uh, Don Hine was at 13 and Ed Sorensen at Channel 6. And I mean, it was like a it was a, a real competition amongst the stations back then for for uh, sports ratings, news ratings, etc. But a couple of uh, some really strong personalities back then heading up the sports departments. Well, and I, you know, as uh, and I want to say, you know, since we mentioned JMV and how I, I mean, I'm really proud of of how unbelievably huge. He became. He did it because he he worked his ass off, <laughs> and I'm really proud of your amazing career. Mm. And then you you look at other people. Uh, our very meek intern Sage Steele has turned out okay. <laughs> yeah, she's done all right. <laughs> but you think about who we had around as interns. Uh, Rich and I yeah. still has a great career going at. at Channel 13. Ron Sexton. Yeah. Uh, he's doing okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Adam Alexander, who is a uh, yes. network broadcaster at Fox. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's amazing um, who we had the opportunity to work with and, and to watch them grow and, and take off. And, you know, a lot of them uh, I look at and they, may not be household names as some of the others were there, but they've, you know, they've gone on to really successful careers. And yeah, so I'm kind of proud. I'm, well, I'm not kind of, I'm really proud, you know, of all that and the way uh, that has turned out. But um, can I tell you a quick Ed Sorensen story? Sure. <clears throat> what are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> So it, it was so funny because like when, you know, at the peak of probably both of our careers, people always thought that we were these big competitors and we were, but we were also friends because when Ed started at channel six, I was there at channel six working in the promotion department as a writer producer. So the first Ed Sorensen promos that ever aired in Indianapolis, I wrote and produced them. Mm. So, you know, Ed, they, the, the various people around town would seat Ed next to me at events like Colts games thinking, Oh, well, these two, <laughs> you know, that'll be funny to watch. Well, we had a great time. I mean, you know, we love talking to each other and stuff. So, one time we're at a, at a Pacer game, and and uh, as you mentioned before, I was going live before the Pacers played, and Ed was there that particular night too. So we do our hits at five or whatever. So then we're waiting around to do our hits at six twenty. Well, they were the Pacers were playing the Magic that night, and Reggie always came out early and shot. 
you know, it wasn't a, as much a thing as it is now. Several guys do it now, but then it was pretty unusual. And one of the guys that was out for Orlando was Trudy Rollins, who was just enormous. I mean, there are, there are certain people that just Shaq is one of those people. Tree Rollins, same way. You just go, ah, this guy's bigger than 7'2". You know, <laughs> he's huge. So this is kind of the era of when the flip phone had just kind of come in. <laughs> and Ed was on the phone all the time. I mean, all the time. And so he's on his phone, and Tree Rollins walks over to us, and he says, Hey, man, let me borrow your phone. And he goes, Hey, sure, Tree. Here you go, man. <laughs> well, this is when <laughs> it was like 80 cents a minute. Remember that? Yeah. He paid by yeah. the minute. Yeah. And so Tree Rollins takes Ed's phone, and this is like 6 o'clock. Well, at 6.20, Tree is still talking on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Long distance, which is a a more expensive call, I'm sure. Well, so we do do the 6.20, and Ed is looking at me, and then he, he, he looks at me and gives me a face, and then he looks back, and Tree is still talking on the phone. So we get done. It's about 6.30. And, and Tree just comes over, hands Ed his phone, doesn't even say thanks, and walks into the locker room. So, I, you know, I, I think it's funny, but I don't think anything of it. So about a month later, exact scenario. Pacer game, doing the, doing the news. Ed shows up. And <laughs> he goes, hey, man. You remember about a month ago? You remember about a month ago when Tree Rollins borrowed my phone, man? I said, yeah. Hey, man, that guy called the Bahamas. That was $1,700 on my phone bill. (laughs) He was talking to some chick in the Bahamas, and it cost me (laughs) $1,700. Oh. Ed. Some good Ed stories. Oh, I just, uh, it was just a great time. It was indeed. Um, and I know your your son, Drew, uh, got you a sports locker. Is that the original sports locker sign from back in the day? Yeah, how about that? How do you come, yeah, up, how do you was, come up with that? He was doing some kind of um, talk show at Channel 8, and he was, uh, you know how they have the storage cages there. And he took a pic. He saw. It. He took a picture, and uh, he goes, "Hey, look what I just found!" And I'm like, "Oh, I need that!" And so he got it for me. <laughs> mm, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you got a good place for that there at the estate, and uh, you you do what a lot of people don't know, and and maybe they see you on Facebook sometimes, but uh, you. Do, 
are an incredible craftsman in regards to uh, uh, woodworking and what you have done at your place is nothing short of phenomenal and uh, we could we could do it for an hour and if they ever let me come back we'll have you on again and we'll talk more about all that stuff but I, I just will say that as a person that had an opportunity to work at Channel 8 during that time and work with you and um, a lot of times you don't appreciate the talent and the people that you work with when you're working with them and uh, it's not till later on in life that you realize that and uh, I will say uh, raise my hand as a person that that didn't uh, understand that but I will say that uh, I, I believe Mark that you were the most um, uh, the most talented and the most popular ever uh, as it comes to a local sportscaster in Indianapolis and uh, as I look back on those days not just our, our friendship but um, as a professional it was a great joy to have that opportunity to work with you then and uh, be a friend with you today so thank you very much thanks for coming on and uh, being on the show and um, we'll catch up again soon I love you V thank you see you buddy that's Mark Patrick. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back on this Thursday evening. Hope you're having a great Thursday and uh, maybe on your way home. You get there safely. Thanks for uh, sitting in and uh, spending a little time with us today. Vince Welch subbing for JMV. John should be back tomorrow. And uh, we go to the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline and bring on Mike Chappell and uh, say hello to Mike. Good to see you yesterday, Mike. It's been a while since I've actually seen you in person. And uh, it's uh, it's always good to see. (laughs) It's always good to see and be seen these days, isn't it? Yeah, proof of life. Sometimes we need that, don't we? Yeah, I'm into that. It was good to see a lot of guys. And just not to go down a rabbit hole, but yesterday was such a cool thing the Pacers did and in, in, in honoring uh, David Benner. And and then for us to get together and we see all the people that we've been through the wars with, it was really, really a special afternoon, but it was really a cool time to be together. It was indeed. Um, time to be together. Uh, there's a lot of people trying to get together and figure out what's the right decision to make in regards to the Colts. Not only the draft, but there's a lot to be done before the draft as we look at uh, free agency and so forth. What's the next week or two look like for the Colts? Probably, again, the, the dominoes fall, you know, first with the head coach and then the coordinator. But personnel-wise, it's it's – with free agency that starts next Wednesday, you can, you know, negotiate with free agents uh, beginning Monday. You just can't do deals until Wednesday. It, it to me, it's it's can you get a couple of your own guys done uh, in Gawkway if they want these guys back? You know, like in Gawkway, Paris Campbell, you know, Chase McGoffin, uh, EJ Speed come to mind. I'm probably forgetting somebody, but because if you don't, if you don't. Resign in Gawkway. If you don't resign Paris Campbell, 
then all of a sudden defensive end and receiver really increase in, in importance with free agency. So, it, you know, they, they do, they do, you know, impact each other and we'll see how active Chris Bowdard is. Active is not the right word. They're, they're generally active, but it's, but how aggressive will they be in going after bigger name people, which my guess is they won't be. And, and why? Uh, just, it's, it's just his philosophy that, First, you're going to overpay. You're simply going to overpay in free agency because that's what, at least for the first week, you're going to overpay. What he tends to do is 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 let things settle down, and then you can get maybe not quite the name player, but perhaps if you do your homework right, you get a player that fits your system better and is going to be, you know, more productive and you know, with what you wanted to have done at your price. So you know, again, if you get Ngakwe re-signed, which you know he cost him 13 million last year off of his Raiders deal, so that that'll be the minimum he's going to want to get. So, but if you don't get him, all of a sudden, like I said, you've got to find a, a, a good edge pass rusher, and, and on the on the market, you're gonna you're gonna overpay for these guys. You just you just are. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like, like I say, receiver. If you don't re-sign Paris Campbell, you've got Michael Pittman and. Alec Pierce, yeah, and a bunch of guys. So you can't bring in a rookie quarterback and, and not give him a good group of skill players. Is there is there more value in paying the guys that you have currently, even if you maybe have to overpay a little bit to them, versus overpaying for somebody coming in from the outside? that you haven't had in your building, in your culture, in your system, et cetera, even with a new coach, maybe a new system, well, not going to be a new system defensively, but obviously a new system offensively. Is is there more value in, in paying your own guys versus somebody from the outside if from a talent perspective it's kind of a wash and you just don't really know? Well, there's less risk. Yeah. And, and free agency and the draft is all about you know, risk. I just always feel like there's risk in brain that almost, I like the guy. If you know what you've got, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's less risk because you know, the guy you've been around him, you know, his, you know, his temperament, you know, how he practices, you know, how he plays. So I would rather pay, you know, again, certainly if, if they're equal talents, I'd rather overpay for my guy than somebody else, because you just don't know how that other guy's going to fit in. And maybe he will, maybe he won't. So I would, and most teams I think do that. I think Chris Ballard is that. You know, he's he's been good at re-signing his own, the ones that they want. And and if the cost is too much on on guys, they do move on. But it, it's to me, it's always better to re-sign your own because again, you know them. And and if if they're your draft picks, you really know them because you know you, you evaluated these guys and vetted them. Four years earlier, so it, and you're probably going to pay less. You know, it's going to cost you probably less to re-sign Paris Campbell than it will to, to, to not re-sign and then try to replace him with somebody else on the market because the market is is then you've got more teams you're dealing with. So, yeah, it, it, all things being equal, you want to re-sign your own. But if you don't like your own, then of course you know you don't you don't want to reinvest in something and kick the can down the road. But that's why initially, 
who who are their owner to resign, and then how do they prioritize what they need to address? You know, you've got the draft, and you know the first pick needs to be better be a quarterback. But then again, if if, if you you have holes with your, I'm guessing their second pick might be part of a trade up. So, you know, third, fourth, and fifth, you need to address quarterback. You need to address offensive line. You need to address receiver. Even if you resign Paris Campbell, you need to address receiver. So, this team. You know, on one hand, it's 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 got a, it's got some really good players. It does, but it's also got some some deficiencies that simply have to be addressed, regardless of you bring in a quarterback. And that's why it's this is such an important off season. You've got to get the quarterback right. You've got to get the quarterback right, but you've got to in, in, improve the roster. It's crazy when you talk about. You know, their, their best player might be Jonathan Taylor. We, we could argue DeForest Buckner. We could argue, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'd argue anywhere deeper than that, but Jonathan Taylor had had the best season by a running back in Colts history two years ago. I mean, and this is a team that's had, you know, Edgerton and, and, and Falk and Dickerson and, and, and guys back in the, in the Baltimore days, and they didn't make the playoffs. You know, yes, it was you know, part was a quarterback, but 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 it, it wasn't all Carson Wentz. So th- this is a team that's got issues, and they've they've just got to get most of the most of the questions that they they need to be right this off season. They were wrong on most of them last off season. You know, left tackle, right guard, and and uh, and all of that, and they just can't afford to be wrong again in those spots because it just sets you back and even if you hit the quarterback which they've got to do but even if you do that and, and you're wrong on other spots you, you're, you're putting that quarterback in a position to fail and too often they fail if you don't you know get the team around them better mike um the end of the season press conference chris ballard said we must and I underlined it, so he must have expressed, uh, you know, with his inflection, right. the importance of this. We must be better up front. We have to be good up front. It'll be on my grave. Right. I don't know that it could be any more serious than that. Uh, I think the quarterback position obviously is drawing the most attention, but the position or the area of the team I'm most interested in is the offensive line. Uh, what? Is did Ryan Kelly just have a bad year, or I mean, do you release? I mean, what's going on there with the center position? Yeah, it's it's and Chris Bowers has preached, you know, strong up front offense and defense since since he got here. He has, and that I need to go back and look at the transcript, but I think that was partly with with the way things went last year. Will you maybe rethink your philosophy and how you do things and? Kind of, will you be more aggressive in free agency? And but what he basically said is, you know, like I say, it'll be on my gravestone. Offensive line, defensive line, that's where you win. And I thought last year for the first time, really, they didn't do that. They 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 said that our, our left tackle is going to be Matt Pryor, who had started one game at left tackle in his career, and the right guard was going to be Danny Penner. And there was no there was no competition. There was no competition for the starting spot in either in, in either situation. You know, they 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 draft Bernhard Ryman in the third round, and he's playing left tackle in camp and off season. 
but it was never they were never sharing reps at one. It was it, these were the two guys, and that is so against what Chris and his personnel staff have done. It's always been competition at, at every position. I mean, even a quarterback, you, that, that's what you have, and they didn't have that last year, and it bit him in the butt. And that's why I think they're really going to, you know, they're going to go into in the off season that Ryman is their left tackle. But boy, they've got to have they've got to bring in somebody uh, that veteran guy to push him. And then if Ryan wins it, great. Then the guy you brought in is your swing tackle. And if and if the other guy beats him out, then he's your left tackle. But you just can't you can't go through another year where you really think that you think you think it's Ryman and and that's it. No, you got to have you got to have the backup plan. But several years ago, that he, he he told us he said you know I. Ideally, you want to have going into the season with eight or nine linemen that you consider starter quality. That, that's hard to do, but his point is that you, you got to have guys that if something happens, you know, you put a guy in there and you're not going to lose much. And, and last year they really, I thought, failed that. Uh, the year before, they at least brought in veterans, you know, the Sam Tevies and the Davenport. At least, at least they had. They, they you, you thought that maybe. And it proved that that didn't didn't work, but they've got to get back to where they bring in. You know, they need a starter quality right guard, probably that's not here yet. So it's, it starts up. We saw that. I mean, everybody. I, I was as I, I was as in on it as, as anybody last year that this Matt Ryan thing was going to be a good thing because boy, you got an offensive line, you got a running attack, and the offensive line regressed. And one of them was Ryan Kelly. There's no question. I think for the last year and a half, he's not played to his level. Now, do you? And, and the popular thing now is, well, you cut him. You know, you save eight million dollars or seven and a half of, of cap space. That's fine. Then who's your center? Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got you've got enough issues, and are you going to create one by getting rid of a of a former multi Pro Bowl guy who who needs about a bounce back season? It's easier to cut guys, but who are you going to replace them with? So that, and we'll find out by next Wednesday if, if they're going to cut a guy, they're going to cut him. Yeah, and I you think know, that that position is. Uh, I mean, the the center is the quarterback of the offensive line. Um, when they drafted Ryan Kelly, he was expected to be there for many, many, many years. Right. Kind of the you know, a la Jeff Saturday, if you will. Kelly's got two more years under contract. I, I'm more of the belief that a guy can have a bad year and bounce back and granted he had a bad year no question um but when you investigate every single play which i know the colt staff does they don't just say well yeah yeah a bad year they look at every single play every snap um do you get the feeling that that was more of a mirage and and you can expect him to bounce back or is this what we've got that's, and, and that's why they get paid the big bucks. I don't know. Again, I think Ryan's not played at his level for the last, again, year and a half, I think. Uh, whether he would admit that or not, I don't know. He's had a few injuries. He had two years ago, he had the personal issues with, with the family that had to impact him. Uh, and again, if you get rid of him, you, you can't say, well, we're going to cut Ryan because we think Danny Pinner can be a really good center because he played really well two years ago when Ryan was out. That's crazy. So, so if you cut Ryan and part of it is, well, we're going to save $8 million, you're going to pay that much to bring in a veteran to, to, to replace him or at least to compete. So that's why it's difficult. It's, and it's easy to say to get rid of Ryan and 
But but if you really do your homework and you got a new, I tell you, I think it's going to be important that they've got a new offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. I think they needed a new set of eyes on this group. I mean, I really do. Uh, I think Chris Strasser early got a lot out of these guys, and boy, last year you just kept when they kept firing guys. You thought in in offensive line coach, you know, so because it just it just never really got anywhere near where you expected them to be, where they needed to be. You know, I go back to, again, two years ago, the offensive line was just middle of pack. It, it just sort of exemplified the greatness of Jonathan Taylor's season because that line pass protection-wise was awful. Mm. Pretty, pretty good run blocking, but it's, you've got to get that fixed. You just have to. Quentin's got to play better. He knows it. Braden Smith's got to play better. He knows it. Bernard Ryman will be better in year two, but is, is being better enough to play left tackle because – when you play left tackle, you don't have the luxury of of, of messing up five plays. <laughs> I mean, is there a messing up chap? Is there a harder position? I, I would say, other than quarterback, I don't think there's a harder position to play as a rookie than left tackle. No, and we saw that at Denver. Because you put, can't. I mean, the the skill level of these pass rushers on the corners on seeing, the you're edges. You're seeing the best oh. athlete. Every week, you're seeing the best guy. Oh, and they're just ta- they're feasting on the. Oh, it's a rookie across from yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and again, and and the problem is, the problem is the guy's got to be good like ninety percent, not good, great, ninety percent of the time. He has three or four bad plays, and they blow your game up. Hmm. So that's why they put him in a position to fail. They they did, which you're not supposed to do. But that that's the 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 corner they painted themselves into last year is when is when prior didn't work and it was obviously he, he it wasn't going to work early that that Ryman was was playing B and he wasn't ready he just and I think everybody agreed at the time he wasn't ready but what else are you going to do so that's why they've got to have the the the, the competition in off season primary inning camp to where you know, you, you make everybody better. You know, it's, it's the old stuff about, you know, the, the competition, what makes everybody better. But th- that's what you need. And they failed that last year, and they paid the price with giving up, what, 60 sacks, the second most in franchise history. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Mike, um, the Colts have their staff assembled. Was there somebody on there that um, that raised your eyebrow and like, oh, I really like that hire? Well, I would go the other way around. Okay, I, that was going to be my, my next question, so just go right well, to that one. Be, I was surprised with Brian Mason, mm-hmm. and I know nothing about him. I mean, as far as how he coached the, the, the special teams coordinator from Notre Dame. He and Notre Dame had a great special team last year. They really did. But I think I felt they blocked like seven punts or whatever. But he's never coached at the NFL level. 
And to go from, you know, college to your first NFL job as a coordinator surprised me. But that was the only one really. I, I was really glad to see they retain Reggie. I, I, I thought he was – I wasn't sure he wanted to come back. And, and that's just me cause, because of, of what the job entailed and was Reggie willing – after after knowing what the job was at in year one, would he want to do it again? And he wants to, and they need that. So we'll see. But it, other than that, until you see these guys in person and in action, it's just hard to tell. But they needed fresh eyes and a fresh look on the offensive line. And we'll see how Jim Bob Cooter is. He was here, you know, back in the day with Peyton a few years, I think. So, uh but this is Shane Steichen staff, and, and we'll, again, the, the defensive staff's back intact, which is really, really good. But all these new offensive guys, uh, and after the way the season went last year offensively, you understand how they would blow it up. But by and large, it's a new offensive staff, except for Reggie and a couple of the, of the, of the assistant position coaches. So really curious how this works out. I I want to – there's got to be a backstory, and I'm curious as to what it is, but uh, the name Jim Bob Cooter. I know. I mean, there's – you know, if you're mom and dad and, you, and your last name is Cooter, um, which, you know, you have no control over, um, and then you name your son Jim Bob, and I, I like it in the sense that it's got to be a story. I mean, there's got to be a story behind it because, you know, why else would you name your son Jim Bob Cooter? I thought it was James. Is it is it James Robert? Is that what it is? I I, I looked it up one time. And well, that makes more sense then because I can't imagine well, the, but, the parents would have thought you know somebody's going to call him Jim Bob Cooter. But but when you start with the last name Cooter, you're sort of you're, you're sort of you know it's, it's going to be a strange first name anyway. You know you know Bartholomew or, or Bird or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's James Robert. James Robert Cooter. And I'm sure at some point in some high school or maybe, hey, Jim Bob, and it sticks. Yeah. What's going to be strange is, is when we talk to these guys every week and you ask questions, well, hey, hey Frank or hey, Shane, hey, Jim Bob, yeah. it's like you're at a NASCAR race, which, which you would which you, you can. <laughs> I'm familiar uh, with that. Yeah, I'm familiar with <laughs> so, that. You know, we're, we're not going to call him like, like his car number, but Jim Bob, <laughs> it's just whenever you have two names that you ask a guy, it's just going to be awkward early. Yeah, and, you know, He's got to be a tough guy because with a name no like that, you know he's taken a ton of grief in his in his day, and yeah, you know you you have to adjust to that in life. Well, you adjust or die. You know, you adjust or you, or you just can't survive. You know, they because they'll beat it out of you. The young, <laughs> I tell you, looking back in, in school and high school and even middle school. Kids can be really, really rough. <laughs> That's what I mean. Really... I mean, he's had to. He, oh, I yeah. mean, this kid's got to. I mean, he's got to be tough as nails. Yeah. So, yeah. but again, it's it's it, it'll it'll be interesting, and, and I'm sure we'll have a conversation with, with him about <laughs> it, and he'll give us the backstory. But no, it's it's one of the more interesting names that we've had come through here. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, good stuff. And uh, as always, and we look forward to uh, chatting with you again sometime soon. And uh, as mentioned before, great seeing you yesterday. Keep up the good work. Same to you. And stay in touch. And whenever you need me, give me a call. Thank you, buddy. That's Mike Chapel. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. 
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.